Hello, and welcome to the Claremont Bible Fellowship Bible Instruction Time. We now turn you over to our speaker for the day. Well, the book this morning is having some testimonies given, and we will start with our first one, and we're going to ask our brother Tyler if he would come up and share how he came to the Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning. So <clears throat> I was blessed to have grown up in a Christian home and also um, attending Claremont Bible Fellowship since 2006. Um, I came to know Christ in 2008 during the summer at Camp Horizon. Um, Mr. Phil Geikema was the preacher, and it was one of those um, fear of hell types of um, I guess that's how the Lord drawed me in because um, I was very young, so I didn't understand all the applications of salvation. But for fear of um, punishment in hell, I became saved. And then, um, so I continued to grow in Christ, um, attend church here. And then, I believe 2014, I was baptized. And then, um, over the years, I've also been able to serve on staff at camp and try to help other kids come to know Christ and serve the Lord as best I can. I might uh, begin by indicating that I'm not a public speaker. <laughs> as many of you know and have gone through college, you have to face somewhere along the line, a class called speech. And that's the hardest class that I've ever had to, I'm technically a person that educated in technical subjects. And speech terrified me and I recall the speech instructor said, uh, I want your first speech to be, what's your most embarrassing moment? And of course, his excuse for that subject was that if you can speak on your most embarrassing moment, you can speak on anything. That has not worked for me, let me start. <laughs> let me just uh, read a verse of scripture before I start. It's found in 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 5. Verse 12, and we beseech you, brethren, to know them who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their works sake and be at peace among yourselves. You might wonder, well, well why is he choosing that? Just to state a testimony. Well, in contrast to what Tyler just mentioned, I did not start in a Christian home. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, going back uh, to my birthday, which was 80 years ago, by the way, in March, uh, we had a very humble life at that time. 
my father and my mother had been married, uh, of course, the previous year, I believe it was. They were living way out in the country in the uh, end of a dirt road about a mile and a half from the next house. It was March, and of course, in March up north, winter was still around. And they lived, the snow plows didn't come down that dirt road. So my father had to get out and uh, call a country doctor who came out and delivered me at home in a little house that probably was the eighth of a size of this room. So I had a very humble beginning. Um, my parents, both of them were of diverse backgrounds. Um, my dad came from a lumberjack father who had difficulty with alcohol. His mom came from a background where he had two brothers that he wouldn't even, half brothers that he wouldn't even tell me about. So he had a very rough life. I believe he knew somewhat of the gospel. I'll get into that a little bit later in my testimony. My mother was born in Arkansas to Catholic parents. They were very devout Catholics. In fact, I have relatives in my background that were priests in the Catholic Church. My grandfather on my mother's side was somewhat of a happy-go-lucky type of person who was a Protestant that married a Catholic and consequently my grandmother was not recognized after that in the Catholic Church. Um, I can remember my mother teaching me a little bit about what she knew from her mother concerning God primarily in things like the, she called it the end of the world, a judgment, and, but uh, nothing about Christ and his redemptive work on the cross. Also, uh, leading up to my thoughts, I've been reading this book that's been uh, given to us kindly by our brother in the No Little Places. And basically, I came from a small assembly in Harbor Springs. I'm not sure even whether you could call it an assembly as we know it. It was mostly a Sunday school work. And let me just, uh, uh, I've been reading this book, by the way, very small sections at a time because I'm not a good reader either, but this section on what's outlined as spiritual vision and labor. And uh, our brother Dave Dunlop mentions in this book that spiritual vision necessitates spiritual work. And the reason I brought that up it's because I had a Sunday school teacher that worked hard in his lifetime to bring boys and girls, especially at our age, to know the Lord. And uh, 
I, as I look back, I think of the tremendous amount of work that he did to spread the gospel. And I'm not bringing him up uh, to honor him, but to honor him for his role in bringing me to the Lord. I think of certain situations in my life back then. And, uh, and uh, uh, for example, my, my sand pile experience with him. We had not, as a, my, at that time I had a sister Millie and a sister Shirley. By the way, they, <laughs> they've told my wife many times what a naughty boy I was. And uh, if you want to know some of those stories, you can talk to Mary because she's heard them all from my sisters. But I remember one time that we, we were playing in a sand pile outside the home that my dad was in the process of building in Harbor Springs. Um, and someone pulled up at the curb and went in the house and talked to my father. And that was this, Sunday school teacher that I'm referring to. He was coming around asking my father if the children in our home could come to Sunday school. And I think that was a, a nice work on his part. I can, I can uh, tell you about the Willie's Jeep uh, situation with him. I could tell you about a golf course situation with him. All in his effort to bring us to know the Lord. Uh, it's an example of one of the things that he did. I'm talking about the work that he put into this, his effort. And probably most of you will not believe this, but the school system at that time and I don't know by what authority they did it, allowed us to be released from our classes so that we could visit a church to take care of some of the spiritual needs of the community. And uh, apparently they contacted the various churches and they had contacted Mr. Pontius, who I'm talking about, about the possibility of doing this and the effort that he put into that process of preparing for us coming to listen in that period of time where they left us off from the teaching. He prepared little spiral bound booklets. He had typewritten, that back then they didn't have word processors, all they had was a typewriter and carbon paper he used, and then he would paste that those messages in. His subject was the lifetime of our Lord Jesus Christ. Starting with the birth, he brought in John the Baptist's work, the preliminary work, and of course the miracles, and gradually got up to the crucifixion. But I can't imagine the amount of time he spent in preparing those booklets. There were about 10 of us, I guess, that attended those classes. 
And the reason I bring this up is because that's the background that I had being introduced to the gospel. Now, as far as my conversion is concerned, we also, in addition to his teaching in this little assembly, it was a situation was northern Michigan, it was vacation spot. So in the wintertime, there weren't many people in the assembly, probably at the most two or three men at the most, and quite a few widow and elderly ladies were there at that time. So there weren't many to preach the gospel, but we had visitors come in in the summertime. And there were many evangelists at that time that went around the nation and they would occasionally come in. And I recall being witness to and that the Holy Spirit was speaking in my heart. And I was very defensive because I was a little bit unassured about how my parents would view if I came to know the Lord. That was one of the things that was kind of a barrier to me at that time. But I remember after one of these meetings, uh, perhaps it was some visiting minister, I don't remember the details, I was touched and I went upstairs to my little room in the home and it was there that I asked the Lord to come into my heart. I was a little bit slow of acknowledging that to my Sunday school teacher, but he had an occasion where he would come to me and talk to me about salvation, not in, under a pressure consideration kind of thing, but eventually I told him I had accepted the Lord. I had some questions about eternal security and he took me to the epistle of John that I think most of you are probably aware of to build me up in that area. And then again, when it came time for me to leave to go to college, he was instrumental in making sure, because I had to go downstate from where I lived, about 250 miles south of where we lived, he was concerned about where I would go after I went to college. So he worked with uh, ministers in the assembly, uh, brethren who knew where I was going, and he arranged for me to stay with an elderly lady. Uh, I got to know her, her uh, son very well. He was, uh, he was a great help in uh, ministering to me and kind of encouraged me after I left home and uh, got me to, to live in a little room in her house. She was a widow lady. She was a uh, uh, wife of a doctor that had passed, passed away previous to that time. Uh, and so he got me in connection with the assembly at Dearborn Chapel. That's where I was baptized and uh, later on became involved as they, they recognized me as having a technical background. So I ended up being treasurer of that assembly for, I don't know, 20 years or so. 
so that's the way the Lord has worked in my life. And the reason I brought that verse up is I thank the Lord for faithful laborers that I really didn't know who came into my life to teach me the gospel. So thanks a lot. I hope I hope that uh, the message is somewhat valuable. For someone who doesn't speak, he did very well. Did very good. I'm very shy like Bob as well. Um, I did have, by the way, for the speech class in college, I only able, was able to bring one class, one credit from Emmaus Bible School into the university. That was that class. We took homiletics, public preaching, and they, FIU actually accepted that as a speech credit, so I didn't have to take the class again. Um, so I, uh, like Tyler, was born into a Christian family. I always like to tell people I was attending church before I was born since my mom pregnant. We were there for so nine months even prior to uh, attending as a child. But my, uh, I'm the youngest of four children. My parents were in fellowship at the Central Gospel Chapel, well, Central Bible Chapel eventually in Miami, Florida. And when, um, as children do, we go where our parents take us. So we're at church uh, most times that the doors were open. During the summer of 1970, <coughs> Vacation Bible School at Central. Uh, I listened. I did the verses. I tried to make sure that I participated. Uh, I don't think I. I don't think I didn't. I didn't. I don't think I knew that I wasn't a Christian since well, everybody in the family was. <coughs> but the Spirit uh, brought me under conviction. Um, I think Isaiah fifty-three was one of the verses. Chapter fifty-three and verse six. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. The Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. And I, uh, and I remember thinking to myself that, yeah, I, 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 I can see where I've gone astray. But it, again, it, there was no need, it seemed, to, to get saved until the speaker clear, made it very clear that if you were to die tonight and you weren't a Christian, if you haven't trusted the Lord as your Savior, you'll be, you'll be, uh, you won't be in heaven. If the Lord returns, you'll be left behind. And so they asked if you uh, wanted to talk to someone about it, stay behind. So I stayed behind. And um, I remember, I, I couldn't tell you who the man was that did the VBS, but <coughs> I remember they were looking for someone, for someone. Ah, there's Margaret Winfrey right over there. And walked me over to my Sunday school teacher, a uh, good friend of Stephen Kitty, not then, but later in life. And, uh, and so uh, she, we sat down together and she walked me through some verses and uh, John 3.16 was one of them, put my name in the verse. And all that, by the way, I, I still to this day, I'm a bit, you know, confused. But when I was done, she pronounced me saved, so I'm saved. And uh, subsequent to that, I probably trusted the Lord as Savior 10, 20, 30 more times because you want to make sure that you're saved, especially when you go to camp and hear the message and you, you think, <coughs> well, I, I'm not sure about it. But if I, Lord, if I wasn't serious last time, I am now. And I please come into my heart. Um, continued uh, on, you know, I, I, I joke about this, that uh, when you're six years old, you can't sing years I spent in vanity and pride, right? I was six years old when I got saved, very young, so I didn't know much of anything. 
but continued under the teaching in the Sunday school. At nine years old, I started going to Camp Horizon. And when I was 11, uh, after uh, some teaching on baptism, I and my, I think both my younger two siblings, the ones just above me, all baptized <laughs> at the same time there at 11 years old. But again, continued on every Sunday, go to school uh, during the week, no changes. Um, during camp, I can remember uh, each summer, especially the way that the, bar, the older camp was, they had a, a banquet and a testimony time and a lot of the moving of the spirit, uh, you'd feel very convicted by the time things were done about where you were in your walk with the Lord. And probably when I was 13, 14, 15, <coughs> I was on, excuse me, staff when I was 15, I would, I made up my mind, I'm going to, this year I'm serious. I'm going to read my Bible every day and pray every day. And I'm going to, you know, dedicate myself to being a better Christian. And I would, that would last till September, maybe October. I used to go back to the same old, same old, get up, go to school, go to church, come home. Um, when I was 16, I was on, uh, 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 I was on staff. I was a camper uh, during the varsity camp. <coughs> and here's how the Spirit of God got a hold of me. My counselor, Mike Young, gave his testimony out on the dock for evening devotions. And he was very similar background, saved about five, baptized at nine, went down life's path. I think personally he's more ornery than I ever was, but that's my view of Mike growing up. But he said when he was in high school, God took his father of a brain tumor. With a brain tumor, he's gone. He said it took that much for God to get a hold of me. So, you know, and so personally, he took it as his wake-up call. Well, I don't know if you've thought that through, but if, that, if you think to yourself, I, I, if that's how, you, you're, how you're going to wake me up, I don't want that. I, I really don't want that as a wake-up call. And that summer, at the end of the summer of camp, I remember that was the start of it. So every morning after that, sub, you know, to that, get up. And matter of fact, I wouldn't have breakfast. My, my, my mindset was, if I don't feed myself spiritually, I won't feed myself physically. And I love eating breakfast, so it made devotions a little easier. But get up and spend time. If I'm going to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, my commitment was I will spend time reading His Word to get to know Him and spend time praying with Him. And to this day, that's the start. Many people, morning's not their, their time, but for me, that's the time to be set aside and to, and to follow after and to grow in grace. So that's my testimony, how I came to know the Lord as Savior. Brother Buck. I knew I wouldn't have a lot of time left, but that's okay. I just wanted to look at chapter 8 of Acts. I understand that during the time that Noah built that ark, the animals came from different ways. The eagle came from the high skies, and, and then the ducks waddled in, and all the other different animals came in. They all went into the same door, even though they came different ways. Well, here in Acts chapter 8, 9, and 10, three different conversion stories. Happy New Year's, by the way. This was a new beginning for them. The first one in Acts 8 is an Ethiopian eunuch. The second one in Acts 9 is Saul of the Sanhedrin. 
And then Acts 10 is a Roman centurion called Cornelius. Now, this is one of my favorite stories of Cornelius because the first time I preached the gospel was in England, in High Wycombe, in a community center, and my pulpit was the pool table. And when I got done preaching, uh, Cornelius got saved. So that's why I remember about that story. But this is examples of all types of mankind that came from different backgrounds. And you, you look at the three sons of Noah, Ham, Shem, and Japheth. You find out that in chapter 9 is the man had the background of Ham. Came from Ham because he was black. He was Ethiopian eunuch. And then in chapter 9 is Saul, who was of the family of, of Shem. And Cornelius in chapter 10 was of the family of Japheth. All three men were men that had, according to man's eyes, they were moral and they were upright, but all three had to be saved. God sent messengers to where they were. And how shall they hear except there be a preacher? What man, what woman in your life was influential more than anything else, anyone else, that you got saved through listening to them? We're discussing it with them. Think about it. In Acts chapter 8, politician. He was a treasurer of the, of, of the uh, Queen Candace in um, Ethiopia. The next one was a theologian, Paul. Or who was Saul. He was a theologian. And the third was a military man in Acts 10. He was a centurion. And these are three of the hardest people to reach the gospel. One that was a heathen, so to speak, knew nothing about the word of God until he received it there and bought it there in Jerusalem. Here we have the politician or the, the uh, theologian in Acts 9 where Paul knew a lot about the scriptures. He knew the God of the scriptures. Um, he, and yet, he was not saved until he met the Savior of the Scriptures. And then Acts 10 was a military man. Peter was a Jew. Never was a Jew, Peter was. But he had to learn on that rooftop in Acts chapter 10. He had to learn on that rooftop that what God said, that is the way. It's not uncommon what God says. And Peter thought, well, I'm proud. I don't want to eat that which is uncommon. And then we have the first one in Acts chapter 8, the, the Ethiopian eunuch. He was riding in a chariot. He had gone to Jerusalem, the, the, the capital of religion, so to speak. And he looked for help there, but he found none. But they would sell him the Bible, or a piece of the Bible at least. They'd do that for sure. And he was reading. And God took Philip all the way from a great evangelistic effort down into the desert to meet a man. I was reading a portion of scriptures about the man of sorrows who was acquainted with grief. Yep. The first one had to have the word of God explained to him. The second one 
had to be brought down to his knees by a bright, glorious light above the light of the newness, brightness of the sun. And there he was, a man humbled down and understood that it was Jesus that he was persecuting. And he needed to say, Lord, what will I do? What can I do, Lord? And the, the one that was at home, the <clears throat> centurion, Cornelius, there he was in his house. And he was a Gentile. And he was praying to God, the hour of prayer. And the angel came and said, God has heard your prayer. And he said, that Peter is going to be sent to you and he will explain to you the way more perfectly. Chapter 8, you have one that was looking for peace and getting no answer. In chapter 9, you have, he was destroying the peace of the church. In chapter 10, you have one that was seeking the peace with God. Three conditions. The eunuch wanted to be saved, but he did not know how. The Saul was, was blinded by his self-satisfied religion. And yet he needed to be saved. And then the centurion needed only to have the message explained to him. And he was saved. And I'm going to close with this word of testimony that a young man in England was he was just a little lad. He was just saved recently and I encouraged him to get up. And he said, you don't have to say a lot. He didn't say many words, but he said a lot of what he said. He says, I'm glad that the devil said that he lost a lad that he thought he had. Let's pray. Father, we thank thee for the conversion stories. Many different people coming many different ways. We thank you that they can come and trust the Lord our Savior. As we all individually think about the time that we were saved and what we were saved from, out of, and brought into, might it encourage us this new year to go back and examine and to say to thee that we are glad that we're saved and we're asking, Lord, what will I have me to do this year to be used of thee? Pray for Traveling Mercy's home now. And look forward to this new year. Get rid of this COVID we trust and that it would not hinder our country and our believers. And trust our Father that we can be used of thee. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.